This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. We have hope. We have joy. Everything that God has said in his word is true. And you can rest assured that Jesus is coming again. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this year's annual Bible Prophecy Series. I'd like for you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. It's where our outline will begin. I think probably one of the most anticipated sermons in, in the entire series is the Sermon on the Rapture. And, and I will be talking about a little bit of that message today. I think probably the most serious, and I don't, I don't underestimate any of these prophetic sermons because every one of them are so true and, and every one of them are equipped to help us to know what to expect in Bible prophecy. So when I say that today's message is probably the most serious one of them all, Again, it's not to underestimate the power and the proclamation of the Word, but today's message is given with great warning. Now, I want to ask you to think about something in today's message. If I were to ask you, are you saved? And I'd like for you to really do some soul searching right now. And I were to ask you, why do you believe that you are saved? If you were to say to me, well, because I believe in Jesus, that's the wrong answer. And I want to show you why that's the wrong answer in the Scripture in Psalms chapter 51 and verse number 5. The Word says this, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. So listen very carefully. If you say, I am a Christian because I've always been one, you have not always been one. And so if you say you're saved because you believe in Jesus, the Scripture says that's the wrong answer. And if you say, I... Am a Christian because I believe in Jesus. Then I want to show you why that's the wrong answer. Because in James, the Word teaches us this. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. But the devils also believe and tremble. 
So if you say, I'm a Christian, I'm saved because I've always been one, it's the wrong answer. And if you base your salvation on because I've always been one, you're in a heap of trouble. And if you say, I'm a Christian because I believe in Jesus, that's even more complicated because even the devils believe. So if I ask you today, are you really saved? And you say, well, yeah. Then I want to ask you why. How do you know that you are really saved? Well, today's message, I believe, if you do not fully know how to answer this question, or you could not answer it. You could not answer it to your neighbor. You couldn't answer it at your kitchen table. You couldn't answer it standing on this platform. Then I would ask you to pay very close attention to the word today. Because I'm preaching this message. Will there be a second chance for anyone to be saved who is left behind Wow. Left behind after the rapture. Well, let's look at the Word of God today. And we're in Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to read for you verses 40 through 42. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Right now, this very moment, we as God's people were waiting on the event called the rapture. And we sing that song from time to time, what a day that will be when, my Jesus, I shall see. I I cannot wait for that grand and glorious day, and I'm sure that you as a child of God, if that be your situation today, you're feeling the same thing that I'm feeling. The rapture, listen carefully, is what we're waiting on right now. It's the next prophetic event And the rapture is a message that relates to people. Those who are caught up in the rapture, it relates to people who are saved, truly born again. Those who will be taken out of this world simultaneously when the trump of God will sound. I I cannot tell you how, how much I long for heaven. The old song says, oh, I want to see him look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace. I want to see Jesus most of all. I want to see my loved ones. Brother Danny and I were talking a little bit before Sunday school this morning, and next month will be a year since my dad passed. I cannot believe that so much time has gone by in just a short Blink of an eye. 
I'm longing to see Jesus. I'm longing to see my loved ones. I cannot wait to get out of this carnal, evil, wicked world. I cannot wait until the day that I lay my heavy burdens down and never have to struggle with a one again. But the message today is not primarily about that wonderful, blessed event when God's people will be taken out of this earth. The message today deals with people who will not be raptured, who will not be caught up. And so if you follow the bulletin today, I hope you will, because we have seven important points to go over in a short amount of time. The first thing that I want to say today to those that are present in the service and those that are watching, listen carefully. As a gospel preacher, you must be warned. And so please remember, there will be people who are basing their salvation, their eternity, on the fact that they say, I've always been one. There will be those who are placing every weight of their expectation of heaven on the fact that they simply say, I believe in Jesus. And who will be left behind in the rapture. You've got to stay with me today. You've got to stay focused as we travel through the Word of God because the worst thing that could happen to a human being on this planet will be when they have a startling awakening to the truth that they have been left behind. No, no one could ever face a darker day on this earth to miss the rapture, to be left behind. I want you to look with me again in Matthew 24, verse 41. And there are going to be two important words that I want you to underline in this text. You must get this. The Bible says two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken. Underline the word taken in your scripture because that's the positive aspect of the rapture, to be taken out of this world. But right after the word taken, the comma, and then you go, and the other left, so you're underlining the word taken and you're underlining the word left. Because as the word taken has a very positive aspect to it, the word left has a very negative finality to it. And I want you to notice very carefully that the Bible points out a division of humanity in these verses. Please make no mistake about it. When the Lord returns in the rapture, there will be some people, as the Scripture says here today, there will be some people that are taken and there will be some people that are left. It does say that. You've read it. Now listen carefully. Pertaining to the day of grace, where we are right now in this dispensation of time, in this dispensation of grace, when the rapture takes place, this dispensation of grace will come to a startling halt. 
the Old Testament was the dispensation of the law. When Malachi laid his pen down and closed out the Old Testament and where the gospel of Matthew picks up into the day we live in now, we are living in the day of grace. There was the dispensation of the law. Now we're in the dispensation of grace. But when the rapture takes place, this particular dispensation will come to a startling halt. And I'm so thankful that as believers, we have the assurance in God's word that if you are truly born again, and you must understand what that means. I'm not asking you, do you have religion? I'm not asking you, do you have a denomination? I'm asking you if you have truly been born again. And if you say yes, then you are a new creature in Christ and all things are passed away and all things have become new. And you might ask this question, well, Pastor, how can a person really know for sure that they have been saved, genuinely born again? Well, according to the Scripture, and that's all we have. It's our roadmap. It's our compass. In Romans 10, 13, and if you're struggling today, if the devil is placing doubts in your mind, if you have been born again, let me give you the blessed assurance in the Word of God today. And those of you that are watching by Internet, I hope you're writing down these scriptures as well. Romans 10, 13 says this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, look, shall be saved. I remember the day that I did that. I want to ask you, can you remember the day that you did that? Can you honestly say that you remember the day when you opened up your heart and received Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior? That's very important. Because you see, being saved... It gives us a surety and it gives us a security that we will be in this crowd of people that will be taken when the rapture takes place. And if you're in the group that is taken, that's going to be a very positive thing. But that's not going to be the case if you're left behind. And so you look at that Next word, there are two words I told you to underline. That word left has a very negative tone to it. That means being abandoned. It means being forsaken. And it's a most serious situation when the trump of God will sound. And Jesus himself, he gives us a picture-perfect idea of what is going to happen immediately following the rapture. Now, here's where I really need you to pay attention. Uh, listen, Carrie, this is a good point to say this really fast. What we're doing right now, what we're talking about right now is very important. The Word of God is nothing more important right now in this hour than the Word of God. But do you know the most serious part of the message, the most serious part of our time together today is the invitation. So, so please consider that as we go through the service today. Don't distract your neighbor. This is a message that I wish I could have everybody's undivided attention. It's a most serious, serious sermon. So listen carefully. Jesus said what was going to happen in verse 21, again, Matthew 24. For then shall 
be great tribulation, such as not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So listen carefully. The Bible says that when Jesus returns, number two in your bulletin this morning, those who are left will enter into a period of time known as the great tribulation. That's when the seven years of tribulation begins. And that time period is described in the Old Testament in a variety of ways. Let me give you four key scriptures pertaining to this in the Old Testament. Number one, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27. The word says, and you can read it quick on the big screen because we have so many to travel through this morning, and he, if you underline that word he or circle the word he above it somewhere, you can write in the word antichrist because that's what he means, the antichrist. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That one week, when you study scripture prophetically, is the equivalent to three and a half years. This is talking about the first half of the tribulation. The tribulation is divided into two periods. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, three and a half years. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. What does that mean? There's going to be a third temple built, by the way, when the third temple is built in Jerusalem, immediately after the rapture for the first three and a half years, the Antichrist will allow the Jewish people to rebuild their temple. And after rebuilding that temple, he will allow them to go into their temple and to worship just like they did in the days of old. He will allow them to offer sacrifices to God. It's going to be one big kumbaya for the first three and a half years. There will be no more hostilities between Muslim and Arab and Jew and Gentile and Christian. It is going to be one big false utopia of peace for the first three and a half years. But look at this. This is talking about at the end of the first three and a half years and shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease after the first three and a half years is over with, the Antichrist is going to abruptly interrupt all of this Jewish traditional activity. He is going to say to the Jewish people, I've had enough of this. I've dealt with this for three and a half years. It's gone on too long. It's driving me crazy. Let's do away with all of this nonsense. And he is going to run all of the Jewish people out of their temple. He is going to say, you can no longer offer sacrifices. And it's then, you'll see here in the scripture, that he is going to say, you're worshiping a false god. I am God. You're going to worship me. And then the Jewish people are going to recognize immediately that they have been duped and fooled. But we continue on in this passage. For the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. That means he's going to stop it even until the consummation of that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, again, we're talking about the end of the first three and a half years of the tribulation. Now, you go over to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be, look at this, a time of trouble. This is talking about the tribulation, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. 
And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Jeremiah chapter 30, let's get it quick here on the screen. Verse number 7, look at this. Alas, for the day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. That is the description of the tribulation. But he shall be saved out of it. It's talking about born-again children of God. Born-again children of God will never have to walk a day through the tribulation. Not one day. We will be raptured out right before it begins. The last one I give you quickly this morning is in Zephaniah chapter 1. Verse number 18, you see it on the screen. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy... This is a word that you don't use a lot, and maybe you're not familiar with, but this word radiance, that's talking about the removal of something that is completely unwanted of all them that dwell in the land. And so God's wrath at this time is going to be on the world. People who are left after the rapture, listen carefully. There is an unmerciful, irreversible time for you. You need to pay very close attention. If you do not know why you're born again, if you're born again, how you were born again, listen carefully. This is the service today of your life. Do not walk out of here without having assurance this morning. It's going to be unmerciful for people who have rejected and procrastinated their day of grace. And I assure you that according to the word of God, those who are left behind following the rapture will go through this horrific period of time called the tribulation. The catastrophic things that are going to go on in the tribulation are outlined completely for you in chapter 6 through 19 of the book of Revelation. Take time to read that. There are going to be all sorts of things happening in the tribulation. In the beginning, obviously, as we're seeing the beginning of it now, there is going to be the escalation of political deception. And by the way, if you do not know this, we are politically deceived now. There is going to be in the tribulation, the first part of it, there's going to be economical prosperity, but it's going to be under the umbrella of a false peace that will only last for three and a half years. Then there's going to be, as we are beginning to see all over the globe today, unfathomableness, spirituality, when it comes to these things of God, the true God. Now, please listen carefully. This is something important. Because the book of Revelation makes clear reference to those, this is very important. Class, stay with me today. Revelation makes it very clear that when it makes reference to this particular statement, and I'm going to show you the scripture in just a minute, let me make the statement. But when you read the statement in the scripture, them that dwell on the earth, if you can retain those words, them that dwell on the earth, that is a reference to people who are lost, who do not know Christ, who are not genuinely born again. The scripture for that is Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 10. You see it on the screen here. Read it along with me. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, 
I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. That's talking about how God is going to deliver. He is going to rapture his, his believers. He is not going to let us go through an ounce of the tribulation. He is going to deliver us from the hour of temptation. That's talking about the tribulation, which shall come upon all the world. Now, this is what he's coming to do, to try them that dwell upon the earth. That's talking about those who are left behind, lost people. So whenever you read this statement, them that dwell on the earth, it's in direct reference to the lost. Now let me teach you something else here today. And let me present it to you from another perspective. This term, them that dwell on the earth, is never a reference to God's people, ever. These are people who never received the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And let me emphasize this. If you have truly received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there is a remarkable change in your life, a dramatical change in your life. Millions of people, millions of people who have never received Jesus as their personal Savior. Listen, there are millions and millions of people all over this earth they are lost, and they are not only on their way to the tribulation, but they are on their way to hell, an eternal hell. Now, the question is this. When Jesus comes in the rapture number three, will the people that dwell on the earth, those people left behind, preacher, please tell me today if for some reason I have missed the rapture, and in the twinkling of an eye, when the trump of God sounds, and as Sister Vicky sang this morning, and the dead in Christ rise first, and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together and meet the Lord in the air. When that takes place, and I recognize that millions all over the world have vanished, I'm going to know it's not because of a UFO or some big catastrophic event in the galaxies. I'm going to know because I've attended church. I'm going to know when millions of people are missing and have vanished all over the earth, I'm going to know that was the rapture as you have preached this morning. Tell me, preacher, if for some reason that I have fooled myself with God and my relationship with him, if I have said I was saved when God knows my name was never written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, tell me, is there any hope for me when millions are vanished all over the earth and I'm left behind Will I have a chance to be saved after the rapture? Will those people be able to acknowledge their mistake and find a merciful and a compassionate God that reaches out to them in this moment of pandemonium? The answer is found in another book in another chapter in the Scriptures. It's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And I want to break this down for you very carefully very methodically, so please bear with me. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye soon, or ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. 
Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. You remember the message the other day. You cannot fall away from something unless you have first been close to something. Shall not come away except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. This is talking about the Antichrist. Now, here is the problem in the Scriptures that believers were having. These people in Thessalonica had received some very disturbing news. Some people, false teachers, false preachers, this is why it's important. Do not believe everything that comes down the highway in the name of God or religion. You've got to get your Bible. You've got to study. You've got to meditate on God's Word because let me tell you, a dime a dozen have proven themselves to be false preachers, false prophets, false teachers. You have to study to show yourself approved. Now listen, some people, false teachers, false prophets, false preachers, they had crept into this early church of Thessalonica and they were convincing new believers that the rapture had already taken place. Now, when they preached that message, the the spirit of pandemonium came upon all of them. And so new converts were very scared about that. They thought that they were now living in the tribulation. They had missed the rapture. So Paul, what he does, he begins to help them understand that the rapture had not happened yet. And people today, listen, are still very confused about that. Let me give you some realities here. Right before the rapture, number one, the word says there's going to be a great falling away. That means unprecedented apostasy. That means that the majority of the religious world would openly reject the word. They would openly reject God, and they would openly reject God's plan of salvation, meaning this. Are we not living in the day today where there are multitudes of people who believe that there are multiple ways to be saved? You know it, and I know it. People all over this planet think there are more ways to be saved than one. But we all know the word of God. Jesus said this, I am the way, not a way. Number two, the word says this, that immediately after the rapture, that the man of sin, the son of perdition, would be revealed. And that's talking about the Antichrist. And so there are two very important things that have to happen before the rapture takes place. One is before, and that is a great falling away. Number two, great apostasy in the church. And then right after the rapture, according to the word of God, that the Antichrist will be revealed. Not until. But when the rapture takes place, he will be revealed. Now, here's something incredibly important. Because as I've already mentioned in this series, that the church, the believers, the righteous right now, this dispensation of grace, this period right now, according to Scripture... And the last days, we are living in this time period called the Laodicean age. By the way, there's seven church ages. I don't have time to preach on them this morning. But the one prior to the Lord's return is known as the Laodicean. And the word Laodicean means the rights of the people. That's what this means. Tell me, are we there? Where wrong overrides right. Are we living in that day? 
and insanity overrides reason. Think about it. That means in the last days there's going to be a falling away of, of common sense. The truths of God's Word. A falling away of behavior. A falling away of what's right. I mean, we are witnessing right now before our very eyes all of these things. We could check them all off in the box and I emphasize again, the rapture is imminent. Okay, then the Apostle Paul, he says right after the rapture, he says the man of sin is going to be revealed. He will appear at that point. Number four, quickly, the rapture and the revealing of the Antichrist begins the tribulation period. Do not forget that. That's important. Again, in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now, the son of perdition means that he is the son of ruin. He is the son of damnation. This is talking about the Antichrist. And so the Apostle Paul describes him again in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 4, who opposeth all and exalteth himself above all that is called God. That's why he runs the Jewish people out of the temple. He sets himself up as God, or that is worship, so that he, the Antichrist, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself to be God. Now again, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 8, the word says, And then that wicked shall be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy the brightness of his coming. So when the rapture takes place, the Antichrist will be revealed. The very first thing that he does, he establishes a false peace treaty with Israel. That's the first thing he does. When he starts a false peace treaty with Israel, it is then he is going to allow them to build their temple again. And he is going to let them peacefully worship in that temple as in the Old Testament for the first three and a half years. But then after the first three and a half years, the Antichrist, he is going to take his seat in the temple and he is going to declare himself to be God. And he is going to deceive the world and he's going to demand that people worship him and he is going to demand that people take his number, the mark of the beast, which is 666. And look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. This passage is talking about the Holy Spirit. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he, the Holy Spirit, who now letteth will let until he, the Holy Spirit, be taken out of the way. And so... Without question, the restraining power in the world today is none other than the Holy Ghost of God, the Holy Spirit of God. Now, if you think that the world is bad right now, put that thought on pause just for a moment and just think about what this world is going to be like when the restrainer is taken out. All right, now look at verse 10, 2 Thessalonians 2.10. This is about those left behind. And with all deceivableness, you see, the Antichrist 
is coming in as a false messiah. He's coming in with deception. He's coming in with a great lie. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because, and we're talking about people left behind, multitudes, millions of people, they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So this is saying in verse 10 that these people left behind, they made a clear conscience decision to live in the pleasures of unrighteousness. I'm giving you great warning today. If you say you're going to heaven because you have always been a Christian, you have not. You're deceiving your way to hell. And if you say that I'm going to heaven because I believe in Jesus. Listen, that doesn't cut the mustard. Even devils believe in Jesus. So please, I I beg you to heed this with great warning today. I'm talking about your eternal soul. Now because people made a conscious decision, oh, well, God is love and You know, God wouldn't send anybody to hell. What kind of God would that be? I don't want to serve a God who deals in judgment and wrath. I I don't want to deal with a God who would whip the living daylights out of me because I was living against the word. I don't want a God like that. I want a Mr. Potato Head God. I want to, I want to put, I want to pin the tail on the donkey. I want to put the face on the structure. We try to make God look like what we want God to be. But look at this. Because people made a conscience decision not to receive the truth, the word of God, and to be saved according to scriptures, they put themselves in the position to be deceived by the Antichrist, who's coming as a false messiah, who's coming with a big lie to deceive the world. And because a person makes a conscious decision, they're not going to receive this God and the God of this book and the God of this word. They want Mr. Potato Head. And they're going to try to please themselves by making this image of what they think God ought to be and what he should be, what he should not be. And so they are calling themselves Christians because this is the God whom they have chosen They've made a conscious decision to reject this God and this word. They put themselves in a direct position to be deceived by the Antichrist as he presents himself as the only hope of the world, the peacemaker, the Messiah. But look at this passage. The Bible says in reality, no matter how much a person presents themselves to be Mr. Spiritual, Mrs. Spiritual, listen, the Bible says they received not the truth. So number five, quickly, what is truth? The truth is the gospel. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. And the gospel is the death, it's the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a person has to understand the gospel before they can be saved. They have to. Anyone who wants to be saved, they first, they must realize that they are a sinner. Real quickly here, write this down, Romans 3.23. You have to acknowledge that you didn't come out of the womb saved. 
We came out of the womb lost and on our way to hell. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. A person, any person who wants to get saved must understand that we are all hell-bound, lost-deserving sinners. That has to happen. Secondly, a person has to understand the consequence of the sin. And that is Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The third thing a person has to understand is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin. And Romans 5.20, verse 8, the Bible says, But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And number four, if we confess our sin according to the word of God, we can be saved. In Romans 10. 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now listen carefully. This is how a person can be saved. Therefore, every person sitting in here today is without excuse. Every person listening to the sound of my voice or hear it at some other time, listen carefully, you are without excuse because every person under the sound of my voice has just heard the gospel. No one will ever be able to go to heaven from Buford Road and say, that preacher never told me the gospel. I have just preached to you the gospel. And so please remember this. Number six, as a result of not believing, not really being saved, the consequence, friend, listen today, is irreversible. It cannot it cannot be changed. Second Thessalonians, I'll show you why. Second Thessalonians 2.11. Because a person made a conscience decision to reject the gospel. If you, you are not truly born again, and you just listen to the simple plan of salvation, and you reject it, uh, not, that's not for me today. I, 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 don't want, I don't want to do that right now. Man, I'd have to give up this. I'd have to give up that. I, I'm not ready to do that. I've got a lot of living left. I... I, I, I want to get my ducks in the road. This is not the day, nor the time, nor the hour for this. I'm just not. Listen, if you walk out of here today and the rapture would take place before we got to the mailbox, you would be in trouble. Irreversible trouble. And this is why. When the Antichrist comes in after the rapture, he comes in, he's coming with a lie. He's coming with deception. And this is the scripture. 2 Thessalonians 2.11, and for this cause, God is saying, because you rejected the gospel, you had an opportunity that Sunday morning in February at Buford Road Baptist Church when the pastor preached the gospel, you had an opportunity to receive the gospel, but you rejected it. God said, because you rejected the gospel, your opportunity, he said, and for this cause, this reason, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, believing the lie that the Antichrist comes in with. And whenever a person turns away from the truth, the next response is that they will be wide open to a lie. Now, how will the Antichrist deceive the whole world? I'm talking about millions of people. Think about it. When the Lord returns, this world's going to be in pandemonium. It's going to be in chaos. And I assure you that nothing of its kind has ever been experienced on planet Earth before. I want you to think about all the Amber Alerts that are going to be going off all over the world. Think about all the millions of families who are going to be frantically looking for their missing relatives. Think about all the derailments. Think about all the crashes. Think about all the explosions that's going on.
And it's going to be in this time of utter chaos that the Antichrist is going to make his appearance. And when he comes in, right after all of this pandemonium, he is going to come in with an explanation. His big lie. Somebody might say, well, Pastor, people are too smart to believe somebody like that. The truth of the matter is, listen, that will be the time that people are the most gullible in all of their life. I want to remind you of something that happened back in 1997. And it's amazing what people believe under normal circumstances, just regular circumstances. Because out in California, there was a man by the name of Marshall Applewhite. Marshall Applewhite, he convinced 30 people, 30 living human beings who were living under normal circumstances, he convinced 30 human beings that a spaceship was waiting for them behind the Hale-Bopp comet. And so he talked 30 living human beings into committing suicide with him. His story was, by committing suicide, I, Marshall Applewhite, am going to take you to a higher level of life and enlightenment. I want everybody to put a quarter in their pocket. That's what phone calls were back in those days. And he said, put a quarter in your pocket, trust me, follow me, and I'm going to take you to this comet, this spaceship, and I'm going to take you to a level of higher enlightenment. Now, let me ask you something. Who in their right mind would, would do something like that? But who in their right mind would follow Jim Jones all the way to the jungles of Guyana and drink Kool-Aid with him? Who in their right mind would line up with David Koresh out there in Waco, Texas? Who in their right mind would walk a street in Los Angeles, California and get in a car with Charles Manson? The Antichrist is going to come in with a big lie and he's going to deceive millions of people. I'll tell you what, think about it. It's not going to be normal circumstances when pandemonium and chaos is going all over this planet. He's coming in with a big lie. And when you reject the truth, you set yourself wide open to believe a lie. And you think about this just for a moment. I know we're over, but I got to finish this message. I want you to look at this very carefully. This is probably one of the most startling aspects of what I'm saying here this morning because the Bible doesn't say that the Antichrist is going to bring them strong delusion. The Bible doesn't say that the Antichrist is going to give them the inability to know the truth. The Bible doesn't say that the devil will send them strong delusion or demon. Second Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 2 verse number 11, look at this. And for this cause God, Yahweh, Elohim, El Shaddai, Jehovah Nisai. He will cause strong delusion. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, why would God do that? Pastor, if, if, if I'm left behind and the Antichrist comes in and preaches a lie, well, why would God confuse me? Why would God create 
my inability to know the difference between right and wrong, the truth and the lie. Why would God create all of this pandemonium for me where I could not say, ho, 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 that's a lie. That's not the truth. I should have listened in, but God now signed me up. Why isn't that going to be possible? Because God is going to send them great delusion. And why? Because in their day of grace, they said no. God does give people up at times. In Isaiah 66, 4, the word says, and I will also choose their delusions. Look at that. And will bring their fears upon them because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, but they did evil before mine eyes and chose that which I delighted not. There are many times when God just gives people up. I, my time is gone. I don't have time to bring those points out today, but let me assure you, there, there, there comes a point and a place and a time when you have said no one too many times to the Holy Spirit and God will say to the Holy Spirit, leave him alone. Leave her alone. Now the end result in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So when the Lord comes back, some will be taken, some will be left. Revelation chapter 11, 3 through 10, I'm not going to read all of these scriptures for you today. But I do want to get down to verse 10. I want to show you what happens. Listen to me very carefully. I'll read this in a minute, but I'm going to close with this. Musicians, come. Listen. During this horrific time and the pandemonium of the Antichrist, when this first three and a half years in, God is going to send two prophets, two witnesses. The purpose for that is so that they might preach the gospel And there are going to be, from their preaching, 144,000 people, Jewish people, who have never, ever, ever heard one clear presentation of the gospel. Listen carefully. From the preaching of the 144,000, millions of people who have never heard. And it's so important that we send missionaries all over the world. How can they hear without a preacher, the word says. From the preaching of the 144,000, by the way, that nips this whole Jehovah's Witness thing in the bud. Because they believe that only 144,000 are going to heaven. That's nowhere in the scripture. The 144,000 teaches us clearly in the word that they are from the 12 tribes of Judah. They'll be saved, I believe. It's another message in prophecy. Enoch and Elijah, they preach the gospel. People who have never heard will become born again. Now, if you, you miss the rapture, you don't qualify for, the, for what I'm talking about now. It has nothing to do with you. You're eternally lost. After the preaching, the witness, the testimony of these two witnesses, according to the word of God, the Antichrist will have them killed and they will lay in the streets of Jerusalem. Their blood will soak the ground. And here's what's going to happen. Because they have believed a lie. God sent them strong delusion. 
They believe a lie. Look at verse 10. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice. Now, first of all, let me ask you, is there any part of this verse that remotely reveals to you that somebody related to this wants a second chance? And they that dwell upon the earth, remember we're talking about lost people, that statement, shall rejoice over them. Does that sound like anybody wants a second chance? And make merry and shall send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. They're going to be having a party. God's two witnesses are laying in the street dead. By the way, God will not leave them dead. He will raise them up. But they are laying in the street dead. And because of their preaching, and their death, them that dwell on the earth because they have been deceived. They have been sent strong delusion. They believe a lie who now can't be saved are now having parties over the dead bodies of God's two witnesses. Does anything about that remotely give you the idea that anybody in this category wants a second chance. And because they don't want it, it's because God has sent them great delusion. So the answer, will there be a second chance for anybody to be saved after the rapture? If you have heard a clear presentation of the gospel and said no, which that may be somebody right here in this building that's wrestling with this right now, and you're saying, man, I thought I always was one. Or, but, preacher, you're confusing me because I believe in Jesus. The devils do as well. Have you had a reckoning with God? You realized that you were a lost sinner on your way to hell. And because of sin, it separated you from Almighty God. But God loved you and sent His only begotten Son while we were unlovable, unlovely, and died for us. God raised Him from the dead. And when we confess the fact, I am a sinner, and we repent of these sins. And we ask the Lord to come into our heart because he promised in his word, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we receive him. We'll open our heart's door, Revelation 3.20. And he comes in and has fellowship with us and us with him. If you've never done that, and things are not different in your life. I say this in closing. God is not a Mr. Potato Head. You cannot make any of this up. You cannot make God be what you want him to be. He is what he is. He is who he is. And he is holy. We must come to him on his terms. 
You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com.